0: hello guys and welcome back to today's episode last time we were here we we're listening to the girl in the barrel chapter one of volume two now we're listening to the murder of jamie la lally dd or if I can pronounce it right Lolly D. Lolly D D E. I'm probably gonna be butchering that the whole time. I'm just gonna call her Jamie Lee. Jamie Lolly, sorry, Jimmy Lolly. Okay. This is the author what he's saying right now. Before he gets into the story. He says here, I'm always amazed when prosecutors decide to go to trial before the body is found. It was an aggressive move. This is one of those cases. In fact, in this case, there wasn't just physical evidence that a murder had occurred. The prosecutor was John Juan Martinez, who years later became famous for prosecuting Jody Arias, arguably one of the most notorious cases in Arizona history. This case was especially intriguing to me because it happened near my home in an area that I am extremely familiar with. That's what the author said. Now, here the story continues. Jamie Lolly grew up in California with her parents, who immigrated from Thailand. Her older sister, Pepper, graduated from medical school, and Jamie's parents pushed her very hard to do the same. They were excessively ad- adamant about good grades so she could go to med school, but Jamie resented the pressure and stress that her parents put upon her. When it came time to choose a school, Jamie decided to pursue her f- her degree halfway across the country at the University of Michigan. She created a new life with friends with new friends and excelled in school. Her group of friends called themselves the 516 five Girls and named after the house they shared 516 Walnut Street in San Arbor, Michigan. The girls were diehard fans of their college football team, University of Michigan Wolverines, and would watch every game together. After Jamie graduated from college, she got a high-paying job selling medical supplies in Arizona. Her parents pushed her and pushed her to go to grad school, but she was sick of being compared to her sister, and cut off contact with her family when she left school. Arizona is a long way from Michigan, so that meant leaving all of her college friends behind and again setting out for a new life on her own. She still kept in touch with her Michigan friends with phone calls and occasional wedding, but the girls were now strewn across the world with some as far away as Germany, Russia and Australia. In years after college, it wasn't uncommon not to speak to them for months at a time. Her new job in Arizona kept her extremely busy with long hours, which kept her from meeting new friends as she had in Michigan. She decided to join She decided to join a University of Michigan alumni group. The group would get together every weekend at a local bar and watch the Wolverines game. It wasn't long before Jamie met a fellow alumni student or alumnus student named Brian Stewart. Brian was good-looking, muscled, charismatic, and just as enthusiastic as Jamie was about Michigan football. He worked as a professional trainer at a local Gold's gym. The two hit it off. Within a year, Brian moved in with Jamie in the tract home that she bought in Chandler a suburb just southeast of Phoenix. Jamie, of course, made a lot more money than Brian, but she didn't seem to mind. She covered most of the bills. From the outside, the two lived a normal life for the next two years. The economy was hit hard on Phoenix area during the financial crisis in the mid-2000s. I was going to say mid-20s, but it was the mid-2000s. The house that Jamie had purchased earlier was now upside down, meaning that she had owed more to the bank and the property was worth. That was fine until August 2009, when Jamie lost her high-paying job with the medical supplies company. Jamie took... Jamie looked for several months for a new job, but the prospects weren't good during those times. Her money supply was dwindling, and so was Brian and Jamie's love affair. Jamie was always a bit quiet and reserved, but when the money started draining, the job selection was slim. Jamie became... Despondent on her, and her affections dropped off. It didn't help that Brian had some problems with the law. To hear Brian tell it, he was quote unquote wrongfully accused of trespassing. It was all a big, silly mistake. But in reality, he was caught breaking into a Mercedes and was charged with burglary. He would miss his court date several times and got rearrested a few times. And each time, Jamie would faithfully play his bail not play, pay his bill. He had an excuse for her every time. As far as she knew, he d- he didn't have any court dates at all. He only told her that he was, quote, unquote, meeting with lawyers. Brian decided it was time to call it quits, so he got his own apartment in a nearby Scottsdale. He didn't tell Jamie about the apartment until he was ready to move out, and on the night of March 17, 2010, he broke the news to her. But before he had a chance, Jamie had some news of her own. Jamie told Brian that she was offered; she had been offered a job in Denver, Denver, Colorado. She had always told him that she didn't like the Phoenix area. She was excited to go to Denver and start a new life again. And she wanted him to go with her. However, Brian didn't like the idea. He wanted nothing to do with Denver and had already made up his mind that he was breaking up with her. He told her he thought it was better if she went away and went her own way, and he went his. The two argued for a bit, but according to Brian, they both calmed down and went to bed after it all cooled down. Brian had been at work early in the morning, so he kissed her goodbye and left around 3.45 that morning. A few weeks later, Brian emailed the president of their Michigan alumni club to tell her that he and Jamie had broken up and that she was moving to Denver to start a new life. Of course, this whole backstory was all just Brian's distorted truth. The whole, tr- the actual truth was very different. Jamie-, Jamie didn't have any close friends in Phoenix area other than Brian. The others in the alumni club were more than acquaintances than friends. She wasn't on the greatest terms with her parents and hadn't spoken to them in quite a while. Her best friends were her friends from college, but she didn't keep in everyday contact with them either. So it was no wonder that nobody noticed where when they had been no contact from Jamie, for almost three months. Brian still attended the alumni meetings, and her, f- and her friends were getting anxious. They had sent her numerous emails, but she wasn't responding. Even if she had moved to Denver, she would have held the courtesy to return their emails. The alumni friends pressured Brian to call her parents, and he finally called her strange father in California and told him that his daughter was missing. Jamie's father immediately called the Chandler police, and they stopped by Jamie's home to do a welfare check. They looked in the windows of the garage and saw that her 1999 Honda was there, but her 20, 2007 Ford Explorer was missing. When speaking to the neighbor, he told police that there used to be a man and a woman living there, but he hadn't seen them in a long time. The neighbor also mentioned that someone from a local Phoenix company showed up a few days prior and and said that they had hired Jimmy for a job and gave her a laptop cell phone credit card, but she never showed up the next the first day at work. So the man was there to collect the belongings. The police broke into the house to find it extremely messy, but no sign of a struggle. It was important to note that actually when a crime happens there will be evidence of a, of the crime or evidence that someone had tried to clean up. there was neither just in an unkept, cluttered house with mail on the table and the clothes thrown about. They found the, her passports, clothes, suitcases, but her driver's license and purse were missing, so it was plausible she left somewhere on her own accord. Knowing that Jamie owned a second vehicle, police put out an alert to watch for it. But police, most police cars nowadays have license plate readers. In addition to police cars, there were on traffic cameras, twenty entry gates—not twenty entry gates, entry gates, toll booths, and many other places. There were scanning devices that will continually scan license plates and store the data in massive database. Police are now can now track the whereabouts of almost any vehicle very easily. Sorry, I keep stuttering. The database tracked Jamie's Ford Escape, but eight, just eighteen miles away in Scottsdale, the plates were regularly been entering the gate of the condo. Chandler, the detective, stalked out the condo and waited for the SUV to arrive. When it did, Brian Stewart was driving it. When police asked Brian why he was driving his girlfriend's car, he immediately corrected him, or corrected them quote-unquote, said, ex-girlfriend. He told police that he had perfectly good excuse for driving her car. He claimed she gave it to him as a parting gift before she left for her new life in Denver. Of course, detectives didn't buy his story. Brian was driving an, an expired driver's license, so they were able to arrest him and also get a warrant to search his condo. Brian was asked if he can go to the bathroom first before they drove back down to Chandler, but police denied his request. When they made the 30-minute drive back to Chandler, he strangely didn't need to use the the restroom anymore. He clearly wanted to hide something in his condo before they searched it. Ryan kept the meticulous home, quite the opposite of Jamie. Everything was in perfect order to the point of being OCD. However, one thing seemed quite out of place. There was a woman's wallet sitting on his desk. Inside the wallet was a few of Jamie's credit cards, Brian had been using the cards, purchasing camping supplies online, shopping at Target, Costco, and Walmart, even buying subscriptions on online dating sites. One of those cards was on American Express business card. The company name was Carefuse. Police later found out that that was the Phoenix company that just hired Jamie in Phoenix, not Denver. They issued her a laptop, cell phone, and credit card. But even more interesting was a copy of his birth certificate that they found. It was handwritten, whereas most birth certificates were t- are typed. It seemed very fishy to the detective. There was also an envelope addressed to someone named Rick Wayne Valentini at the different address in Scottsdale. They thought maybe Brian was stealing disguised guy's mail, but they really knew something was up when they found a divorce decree in his filing cabinet For Rick Wayne Valentini from Michigan. Police called his wife, listed on the divorce decree, and quickly realized that Brian Stewart and Ricky Valentini were the same person. His ex-wife explained that he divorced Ricky Valentini several years ago when he stole money from her father and moved to Arizona. Ricky Valentini told her that he was going to change his name so he wouldn't have to pay child support to yet another ex-wife in Michigan. She also mentioned to police that Rick was once physically and verbally abusive to her, they now had enough to bring fraud charges to Brian and kept him in jail long enough to investigate if he had done something with Jamie. When detectives confronted him that they knew Rick, that he was Rick Valentini, he freely admitted it. He said he wasn't running from the law, but was desperately trying to leave behind a troubled life. He claimed he had a very traumatic childhood. His mother was 18 when she gave birth to him, and his father didn't want anything to do with him. He said that his mother forced him to live in a garage for years until she finally sent him to a foster care. He said the only love and attention he got as a child was from his aunts and uncles. Police contacted his aunt, who verified his story that he was physically and emotionally abused all all of his childhood. But the cops didn't have much sympathy for him. As police looked for further into Rick Valentini's past, they realized that he actually had three ex-wives. He had two daughters, both of which he never visited or paid child support for, and the ex-wives all painted him as a pathological liar. They also found that he was eight years older than he let on. His actual his actual Ricky Valentini birth certificate didn't match his Brian Stewart Arizona driver's license. The lies kept piling up. Brian claimed that he spent time in the military in both iraq and afghanistan and that he was indeed in the military both the truth was he never been to either of those places he went awol absent without leave and when the military police arrested him he stabbed them in the hand and leg and he spent two years in military prison for that then there was his university of michigan story as expected despite the diploma of the university in michigan hanging on his wall and his university of Michigan ID card, Brian never attended college. He had forged a diploma, just as he forged his Brian Stewart birth certificate. The University of Michigan didn't even offer an education psychology degree, like his diploma stated. Brian then revealed that he had an explanation for Jamie's disappearance. He told detectives that Jamie had lost her job, and she was, and she was about to lose her house. And he, she hated her parents. She had in Arizona and wanted to disappear so she could create another life. A completely new identity. Who better to help her than someone who had, who had experience creating a new identity? He said she wanted him to go with her, but he refused. Instead, he agreed to help her disappear. He also claimed that he had been in contact with her a few times since she left. And that she had even been in his Scottsdale condo. He said he had given her a key to his condo, and he would sometimes notice that she had been there when she when he when he was gone because he could see things had been moved around. Police still didn't believe his lies, but needed more evidence to charge him with anything other than fraud. They really needed to uh, slap a murder charge on him, but there was still no evidence of anything that anything had happened to Jamie at all. Further searches of Brian's condo revealed Jamie's cell phone a small white envelope in the back of a filing cabinet. Inside the envelope was Jamie's Arizona driver's license cut up into 30 pieces. Brian claimed that Jamie cut the license up herself, but the DNA on the flap of the envelope proved that Brian had licked the envelope and sealed it, not Jamie. When going through Brian's bank statements, they noticed a charge to a self-storage facility. Police thought that this was their their lucky break. Maybe it had hidden the body or other evidence of a crime. Police didn't find a smoking gun, but they did find several weapons, such as hatchet, swords, and sawed-off shotgun, a semi-automatic handgun, a shovel with a clamp dirt on it, and a big roll of thick black plastic liner. If anything, this is not a smoking gun, guys. This is more of smoke, but with no cigar. Like, um, my math teacher used to say, like, smoke, but no cigar. Or something like, it's, it was something like that, like, close, but no cigar. That's what she said, like, every once in a while. She would say that. Close, but no cigar, she would say. So, this is exactly like that, like, close, but no cigar. In Arizona, there were endless miles of desert. He could easily use the shovel to dig a grave and thick plastic liner to wrap a body. But again, there was no blood evidence or anything that could be used to get a conviction. Next were Jamie's credit card statements. Just prior to her disappearance, they saw that Jamie had, pay- had paid to run an online background check. Police believe she had found out Brian's lies. And they think that she may have found out his ex-wife's children. His ex-wife's children are not going to the University of Michigan and Brian not even being his real name, but still, nothing solid enough that they were willing to risk going to trial with. But the break they needed was coming. While in jail, one of Brian's cellmates told his defense attorney that he had some information he was willing to share in order to get his sentence reduced. The information said that Brian talked to him about hiding a body. Quote, He told me, I wish I knew where they were, what they were looking or where they were looking. He was He's wondering where you guys were looking for the body at, if you guys are getting warm, end quote. The informant also claimed that Brian told him he shot her with a saw, shot off saw gun, shotgun, and got rid of the body where, quote, nobody would ever find it, quote. And he said Brian questioned, quote, what can they charge me with if they can't find a body, quote. That was enough to convince prosecutors to Bring about second-degree murder charges. The prosecutor assigned was Juan Martinez. Brian Stewart slash Ricky Valence- Rick Valentini trial began in October 2011. The first witness was a personal trainer client of Brian's. She testified that Brian would constantly complain about his relationship with Jamie, saying that his sugar mama, and called her a whining, nagging bitch. End quote. The next witness was employee from the Care Fusion. That had offered Jamie a job, not in Denver as Brian had claimed, but nearby in Phoenix. Another witness was a friend of Jamie's who testified that he, had, that he, he'd seen Jamie just a few days before she went missing, and she was covered in bruises. Ladies and gentlemen, those bruises were not intentional that, or consistent of a fall; those were abuse bruises, physical and mental abuse bruises. The thing. That pulled the, that put the nail in Valentini's coffin, though, was when he took the stand in his own defense. Despite his lawyer's warnings, on the stand, he told the same old stories he had told the police. But it wasn't working. The jury didn't buy it. With four hour, with only four hours of deliberation, the jury came back with a guilty verdict. Even with a body, or really no physical evidence that the murder had occurred, Rick Valentini was sentenced to a total of... Up- 54 years in prison, 22 years of second degree murder, 20 years of fraud, and 12 more years of other crimes related to the murder. Eight years after she was murdered, the remains of Jamie Lala or Lali were found in an empty lot that was holding large piles of rock and dirt as a landscaping supply company was moving the piles. The medical examiner stated that her bones were too degraded to determine a cause of death. Well, that was it. Of uh, this one, this one also was very grimy and grimy because we don't know the cause of death of her. And this was the first ever in trial that they used without a body. Well, besides the Kristen Denise Smart case too, they don't. They still haven't found her body yet, so that's still a mystery too. So and they plus they used that in trial that they couldn't find her body. But um they actually did find her body in the end, but no cause of death. Because it was too degraded. Once a body is too degraded you cannot pr- you cannot prove cause of death or cause of anything of the sort. So yeah, I can't believe we just got away with that for quite a few months. Like, three months, to be exact. Maybe more. So, yeah. I'm glad he got fifty fucking four years of prison for... Secondary murder and fraud and other crimes related to murder. I'm just glad he got that sentence because... I'm glad he didn't have the death penalty at the time because it would have been so much worse because... I think when someone takes a death penalty, it takes away of the gravity of the crime that they have committed it, like committed. And if you p- give them a, the death penalty, like electrocution of the chair or lethal injection, that's taking the easy way out, you know, like, oh, I'll, you know what? I'll just take the lethal injection or the electro shock of the chair. Thank you very much. You know, I think that's just a lazy way of putting it, you know, but that's just me. Um, but with that being said, that's the end of today's episode. Um, the next chapter is chapter three of volume two, The Dexter Wannabe. If you don't know what that is, I'll explain to you in the next episode. But Dexter is the show, an amazing show on, sh- on Showtime. And it used to be about, well, it is about him. It's about this guy that ha- that's a brother, that, I think older or younger. And he is part of the police force, but he does forensic stuff. But, when he was younger, he tested- it's basically like a Dex, like a- not like a Dexter story. It was more like a Jeffrey Dahmer story, or like the Jeffrey Dahmer. He tested on animals before he tested on humans and ate their parts. That's basically what it is. And it sucks. So, um, that's what Dexter did, I think, beginning when he was younger. But when he w- was older, he now starts cutting up people that are bad human beings to the world. Meaning that they were robbers, bank, like, not like that. Like, not like good people. He doesn't kill good, good people. He kills bad people in this world. So that's what his, his bi- not biological, but his um, adopted father told him. Because he was adopted. And he has, like, a disability where, like, he has to kill. And that's good for him. So that's the next episode. And plus, along with that, in the end of all these, we have is um confession is sk confession which is appendix the appendix of this volume so i'm gonna mark that page so i can read that to you guys i'm done reading that one because it's a long appendix so it's gonna be like that so very long so yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this so once again chapter three is the dexter wannabe so I hope you guys really enjoyed this one. This one was really, really, and I say this a lot. When I first started volume one, I kept saying it's going to be gruesome. They are gruesome. there are terrible stories, and they're all terrible true stories. You could, you could search uh Dexter, the Dexter wannabe. You can all search that up. You can all search him up like No. and stuff because it's all true story. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As usual, take care. Bye. See you guys in the next one.